You're listening to the Chocolate Milk Podcast with your host, Rahil. From NHL hot takes to international stories about the world of hockey, you'll find all your hockey-related content here on the Chocolate Milk Podcast. Well, 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 it has been a long goddamn time coming. I can't already speak. I'm five seconds in and I can't already speak. This first episode is going absolutely amazing. Oh my God, I'm going to get like canceled just because of how dumb I talk. It has been too long. I am finally here though, ladies and gentlemen. We are here recording our first episode of the Chocolate Milk Podcast. We are here. We are there. Go Habs. It's going to be weird talking to myself, but you know what? We're going to make the most of it. We are live on Twitch, though, um, doing a live recording uh, at twitch.tv slash Thunder. Not to get confused with the Chocolate Milk Podcast, which, funny story, guys, if you didn't know, there's been about 10 times today that I've been like, you're listening to the Chocolate Thunder Pod. I'm like, oh my God, you're an idiot. It's the Chocolate Milk Podcast, not the Chocolate Thunder Podcast. They both have chocolate in them, but apparently I can't separate the two because I my brain just doesn't work that well. But we are live on twitch.tv slash Real Chocolate Thunder. So if you guys ever want to catch a live recording of what's going to be broadcasted on the podcast a couple days later, you are welcome to come on in and hang out. We've got a lot of people in here right now hanging out, and we're going to get all their opinions as we go along in this episode. But first things first, um, I just want to take a special moment and thank each and every one of you guys who are watching right now uh, in the live stream, but who are also going to be listening to this first episode because... uh, yeah, the first episode's the worst episode. It gets better after this. I hope. I hope. So let's. If if not, you can you you can quote this in five episodes and be like, "Yo, you you still suck, man." But we're gonna try and make the most of this. We're gonna try and have fun. So, ladies and gentlemen, episode one of the Chocolate Milk Podcast. Let's get to it. So I am uh, Rahil. My full name is. Uh, well, should I say it on stream? Yeah. You know what? Nah, nah. I'm not gonna say it on stream. My name is Rahil. We'll call it that. My name is Rahil. Um, I'm 24 years old. Um, soon to be 25 in October this year. I'm a 96 baby. Yes, I was actually born in the 90s and lived a little bit of my life in the 90s. I'm not one of those fake 90s kids like the 1999 guys and gals. But uh, 24 years old. I live in the Greater Toronto area, and I am a Montreal Canadiens fan. I know the first thing everyone's saying is, bro, what are you doing in Toronto? How, 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 how? It has to be someone in your family had to introduce you to the hab. Something had to happen, right? Well, no, actually the story of how I, a, uh, non, I am born in Canada, but my parents aren't from Canada. So hockey wasn't like a family thing. Really? It was just kind of like, oh, we moved to Canada Hockey's a sport. My dad kind of watched it, but he never got into it. So how the hell did I become this diehard fan that goes through all this pain of watching this goddamn sport that I love so much? Well, the story is I met a friend when I was nine years old when I lived in Brampton. Um, His name was Michael. Um, And we were good friends. Uh, We went to school together. Uh, We just hung out and stuff. He one day came to my door and he said, uh, Rahil, do you want to come out and play? I go, yeah, like, why, why not? Of course, let's go play, man. So I asked my mom, and mom says, yeah, go, you know, he can go to Michael's house. He was down the street. So I go down the street, and they pull out this net, and I'm like, is, are we playing soccer? Like, that, but what are we doing? He goes, no, we're playing hockey. I'm like, I've, I've never played hockey before. And they were like, well, like, you know, like, here, like, I have an extra stick. Like, we'll explain to you how to play, you know, hang out and stuff. I played for a good four hours that day of road hockey, and it was, it, it was love at first stick handle, whatever you want to call it. first shot, first goal, whatever. Um, 
I just fell in love with the sport. It was just so fun and just so exciting. And especially because a lot of my friends were playing hockey, I kind of was like, wow, I could actually play with them and stuff. Um, but my friends were like, yo, you should like, you know, pick a team and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess like I'll think about it. So I go home and I talk to my dad and I go, dad, I like this sport hockey. I was playing with Michael and it's really fun. I want to get into it. Like, you know, I want to cheer and all that kind of stuff. He goes, okay, well, I have an idea that evening or the next day. I can't remember. Cause it was a while ago. Uh, we went to McDonald's and he gets me a pack of hockey cards from McDonald's and he goes, Rahil, I'm giving you your first pack of hockey cards here. Just here you go. Enjoy. You know, you're, you want to get into the sport. Here you go. So I looked at him and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to look at these cards and I'm going to find the coolest one. And I'm going to, that's my team. That's my team. My dad was like, okay. So I go through the cards. It was like a five card pack. There was, I don't remember everyone that was in it, but there's one player I remember. And his name was Saku Koivu, captain of the Montreal Canadiens in 2004, 2005. Or no, 2003, 2004. Sorry. I got my math wrong. Whatever year it was. He was the captain. The card looked cool. And I was like, wow, it was like the red holographic and all that stuff. I was like, this is a cool card, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, dad, can we watch these guys play? When, like, like, can you check on the TV? When does Montreal play next? Oh, they play, they play tomorrow. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my birthday. He was like, yeah, you know, do you want to watch the game for your birthday? I was like, yeah, well, you know, we'll watch it on TV. We'll have, you know, pizza or whatever. So he watched the game. And I'm like, okay, they're playing this team, you know, black and yellow, and their name's Bruins. Okay, like, who are they? Little did I know, little did I know that the first game I ever watched with the Montreal Canadiens was against their biggest rival, the Boston Bruins. And lo and behold, Montreal wins 4-3. to And of course, as fate would have it, Saku Koivu scores. And from that moment on... Montreal gained a fan and I was in love. My dad ended up taking me to my first NHL game. It was between the Habs and the Leafs. My dad has been the type of person where he cheers for the local sports team. So he's a Leafs fan. Um, I'm a Montreal fan. Um, the Leafs won that game back in whatever year my first hockey game was. But uh, I think it's safe to say now, at least at least after these playoffs, the Habs have gotten the better. So uh, I've been bugging him a little bit. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the story of how... Uh, I found hockey and how I fell in love with the sport. So yeah. And uh, everyone listening right now in the live uh, stream, let me know how you guys, you know, found the sport of hockey. Was it, was it like your family introduced you to it? Was it like someone else introduced you to it? You got hooked on. Was it similar to mine where like, you know, you kind of like discovered it yourself because no one else really showed you it. Like at least family wise, there's so many different stories out there. um, And it's crazy. So VSB asks, is your dad a Leafs fan? uh, He's not a bandwagon. No, my dad is the type of person where he goes, I will root for the local team. So since Oh four or like whenever he chose to cheer for the Leafs, he's been a Leafs fan. He's a blue Jays fan. He's a Toronto Argonauts fan. He is a Buffalo bills fan because they're the closest team. Now he's not a diehard for anyone really he he has a couple leafs jerseys he doesn't really have like a bills jersey or, or a jays jersey but my dad definitely just goes you know i'm i'm i live in this city i'm close to toronto toronto's like my sports city like go toronto in everything which respect respect that that takes a lot for some people to do um just to pick all your sports in one spot which is interesting but i mean hey like i understand why a lot of people do it uh hockey jake says i started playing hockey when i was four uh i've played and watched the game since i see that's like the that's like the, the canadian story like 
oh, like my parents showed me it, and like they, I, they skate, I skated with them for the first time, and I grabbed a stick and I fell in love. That's such a Canadian story, and I love hearing that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is just the Canadian like start of like the Sidney Crosby's. I started watching 07, 08. First sad hockey memory is the 08 loss to Detroit made 09 sweeter. Was that was that Detroit Pit? That was Detroit Pittsburgh, I think, wasn't it? That was when Detroit won in 08 and then Pittsburgh won in 09, or it was reversed. Funny story about that one. Before we move on to our next topic, didn't Marion Hosa play for it was I whatever team lost in 08 he played for, and then he was whatever team lost in 09 he signed with. So he's like, I lost the Stanley Cup. I'm gonna go play against the other. I'm gonna go play for the team that won, and then they lost. Pitt won in 09. So it was Pitt. It was Detroit that won in 08, I believe. And then yeah, my parents picked the Habs because they had the most cups in the league. I mean that's that's fair too. That's fair too. The Habs. Uh, the Habs are a huge historic franchise, and uh, yeah, my dad watched the Leafs growing up. I didn't really get into hockey until my girlfriend met me. My girlfriend saying that yeah, I I kind of was like babe you're watching this damn sport and now she's a Habs fan. So shout out to my girlfriend's dad. He's a Leafs fan. She was a Leafs fan by association, but I have converted her to the good side. You're welcome. All right. Now let's move on to our next uh, topic. So you're going to bear with me here because I'm going to get a poll going in the chat. Um, If I can freaking open the menu, Jesus Christ. Um, But yeah, so the next thing we're going to talk about here is the Tampa Bay Lightning against the New York Islanders. So for those of you who aren't fully watching um, or anything, um, the New York Islanders did win the most recent game. They do play in two hours from this recording so far, so it's going to change by the time this podcast obviously comes out. Um, But they are tied it to New York won the most recent game. And shout out to Ryan Pollock, or however you say his name. He saved the Islanders. They were up 2-0, or 3-0, Tampa scores 2, the puck is shot, and Pollock just, like, is on the ground and just, like, like cradles it with his hand and gets the puck out. And that was going in. That was absolutely a game-saving, maybe even a series-winning save by Ryan Pollock. Um, I'm probably saying his name wrong. I apologize to any Islanders fans out there, but that was insane. Um, I want to start a poll in the live stream, though, really quickly, though. Between Tampa and New York, who do you guys think is going to win this series? Let me know why in the chat as well as I kind of ramble for a bit. And then uh, we'll go back and look at what some of you say. So obviously, Ryan Pollock made that save. Islanders win game uh, four. It's tied at two going uh, into game five in Tampa tonight. Um, I love this series because this series is a perfect match. It's defense and trap in the Islanders. Even though they can score, they are a good scoring team. But uh, Islanders play a very conservative, very defensive, a very trap game. And then Tampa's just the juggernaut of offense. Like they have Hedman, they have Point, they have Kucherov, they have Stamkos, they have Palat, they have Kalorn. And it's just like these two giants of different spectrums going against each other. And it's like, well, what's going to win? Is the offense going to win? Is the defense going to win? It's such a enticing pull for the hockey world. And I think that's why this series has been so fun to watch. The fact that they're both competitive and it's tied as well is going to be absolutely incredible. Um, Matt Barzal though, guys, we need to talk about Matt for a second. This guy is doing what Tavares used to do. He put, he's putting, sorry, not, not past tense. He's doing it right now. He is putting the New York Islanders on his back and going, I'm putting the puck in the net. We are going to keep going. In this series alone against Tampa, he already has four goals. Four. 
Four. Or sorry, no, I'm wrong. In four games, he has three goals. He has one less. Whoop-de-doo. It's crazy how, if you think back to like a couple years ago when Tavares left and everything, Islanders fans were looking at Barzal as like the chosen one. And they were like, please don't let us down. Like we, we need you. And he's been doing good so far in the playoffs. I know the regular season, he's been he's kind of eh here and there. But like, I mean, he's showing, he's showing to be a playoff performer right now, which is pretty interesting. And I think... Hey, man, like they're looking pretty good right now. So the poll just ended and the Tampa Bay Lightning are the favorites in our live stream. 75% of people are saying um, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win, which is, I think that's expected. <laughs> My chat's making fun of me. They're like, you can't read because I'm editing so goddamn much. I know. I know. I'm screwing up. I apologize. I apologize. But yeah, so the poll, Tampa, 75%. I'm not shocked by that. Everyone is saying basically like, hey, man, like Tampa won last year. They, you know, they got, they're, they're over the, they beat the Stars. The Stars were a similar team. Tampa's favored. Their cap scam. That's, that, that's a topic too. Actually, we're going to touch upon that a little bit because it does relate to this series. The Tampa, Tampa Bay being that far over the cap, I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem. I'm sure a lot of people listening and watching the live stream are going to agree with me. Tampa should not be allowed to go that far over the cap. Tampa should not be allowed to go that far over the cap. I understand. I'm not saying I'm not blaming Tampa for doing it because at the end of the day, the NHL put that rule or whatever the restriction was in place there. And they're like, hey, this is what you can do. Tampa is taking advantage of that. The problem is that shouldn't be allowed in the first place. Tampa has to, or not Tampa, the National Hockey League has to change that. What is like, like, okay, realistically, like if you think about it, what is the point of having a salary cap if when the Stanley Cup playoffs are on when like, okay, this is where it matters. Let's go. You can just go over the cap. What's the point of having the cap then for the 82 games in the regular season for the NHL awards for the president's trophy, all that? Like, I, I, I don't understand it. I think. They're not going to change anything next year. I think this is something they have to change. Like they're going to have to say like in the next CBA agreement or whatever, like, Hey, in five years, this is going to be the new thing. You can't do that anymore. And teams are going to have to prepare in those five years. Um, but back to that whole Barzell thing. I was just quickly talking about shout out to, uh, who brought up that point about the, uh, cap. That was hockey Jake, hockey Jake. Shout out to you, man. I appreciate you, buddy. Um, but back to Barzell really quick. Um, if you think about it, the Islanders have won. Multiple playoff series without John Tavares. Tampa or Toronto. Sorry, not Tampa. Imagine if Tampa had Tavares. Oh my God. That's, that's not, well, let's not even talk about that. Cause knowing that they'll find a way to do it. Toronto hasn't won with Tavares. The Islanders have won without him. Now I am in no way saying Tavares is a bad person. I'm not saying he's a locker room, bad locker room or whatever, but it's just interesting how like he left and the team is now doing so good without him. And I know some people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, you can't control that. You know, there's players on the Islanders that are doing good. Barry Trotz. I've seen some people in the chat say Barry Trotz and stuff. Um, but what Gray Fox just said right there, the Islanders have the culture to be successful. I know there's that whole thing about their stadium. I know there's that whole thing, but just about everything going on with the Islanders that like everyone made fun of. But like, I think it's about time. Listen, I know people still joke. Ha ha. Tavares left your team. Islanders fans don't care. They're like, bro, I'm 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 two games away from the Stanley Cup Finals, without him, and I've been at least in the second round multiple times. The Leafs haven't done it. I think Islanders fans are like a little heartbroken that Tavares left, but I also think like, bro, who cares? Like, like if there are people that are heartbroken, 
Like, I understand, like, you know, the sentiment of, like, this player and he left your team. Bro, you guys are doing good without him. Like, why? Do, what, what does it matter? What does it matter? I don't understand that. I don't understand that at all. But Barry Trotz has definitely been a huge factor for the um, New York Islanders and just how they've handled everything. The way they've just made that culture of winning, it almost seems like. It's, it's crazy. So moving on to the other series currently going on between the Montreal Canadiens and the Vegas Golden Knights. As my chat is saying, Leafs in four. What? Like the, like, like the Leafs are four under par at the golf course or something? I mean, good, good for the Leafs. Good for them, man. I hope Matthews is uh, at least scoring something, maybe. That would be nice. But I'm going to ask the chat right now um, who they think is going to win between Montreal and Vegas. I am a Habs fan. I guarantee you this chat is going to say Vegas. And I totally agree with them. Um, the series is tied at two games apiece going into uh, Vegas for game five. Vegas obviously won game four in overtime. Uh, Nicolas Wah. Habs fans are triggered by that Wah thing. Um, but yeah, they won game four. The officiating was a huge debacle. And we are going to... <laughs> even my chat, even the chat right now is like, yo, we sh you should have made a third option. I put the poll as, who's going to win? Montreal, Vegas. They, they're they saying you should have put refs. <laughs> D-Man, you're not wrong though. And we are going to get into the officiating and how bad that was a little bit later. I want to save that. I want to talk about the way the two teams played. And just that I want, I'm going to try, I'm going to touch upon the refing and the officiating, but I'm going to save that for the juicy, juicy part at the end. Vegas played great game three, obviously. Um, and Montreal won that game somehow. Montreal played great in game four. Vegas won that game somehow. The thing I think that that has taught me about this series, and I think this is different than the Islanders Tampa series. I don't think it matters if you, the, if you're the better team. I don't think I know you're going to say like, yeah, that's the same thing with Tampa and the Islanders, but it's like this series is just so, oh, you're the better team. Well, it doesn't matter. We're still going to win because it seems like that's at least for the last two games. That has been the trend and there's a reason it's been the trend. And while the officiating in game three and four, especially when we're talking about game four was terrible. Montreal in the final five minutes of game four, they were very, very, very sloppy. I'm going to be the first one to admit it. That was rough to watch. I was, I, I could tell. My chat actually says 80% say Montreal is going to win the series. Now that is interesting. I want to know why you guys think Montreal is going to beat Vegas in six or seven. Um, Let me know in the chat. But so here's the thing about game four that concerns me if, if I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, which I am. Shocker. Oh my God. <laughs> Those final five minutes were sloppy and overtime was sloppy. Ben Chirot blew his defensive coverage. Wab was open and he got the goal. The, and that's the thing about Montreal I've noticed is like, like they dominated the game. It takes five minutes to be like, oh, well, those analytics don't mean shit. It takes seconds for those analytics to go away. Look at Vegas in game three. They were amazing. They were like, you know, everyone, all the analytics were like, Vegas should win this game. Vegas should win this game. What happened? Josh Anderson scores. And Flurry has that debacle. It doesn't matter how good you are during the 59 minutes. 60 minutes, you could even say. What matters is at the end of the game, you look at the score and you're like, did we win or did we lose? If you lose, you lose. If you win, you win. You can't say, oh, we lost, but the analytics said we should have won. And like, you know, if we did this a hundred times, you want to won 70 times. Who cares? You didn't win this time. And this is the time that matters. That's it. I don't care how good the analytics say Montreal played game four. If they're not Winning at the end of the final score, at the end of the whistle and overtime regulation, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. And because of that game four win now, Vegas is in the driver's seat. 
I understand this series is tied at two. I understand Montreal's won in Vegas and everyone's like, oh, you know, like, like there's no home ice anymore. Like, you know, they could win. It's true. Everything's true. But Vegas is sitting back like we're the better team. We're tied. We got this. Montreal is sitting there like, we just, we just, oh, that game four, that was rough. We need to, we need to win this game. If we lose this, we're in trouble. Like, like Vegas is comfortable right now, I think. I don't, and I, I think they have every reason to sit there and be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable right now. I'm just going to chill here. I'm just going to vibe, you know? I'm just going to hang out. Uh, they have two games at home. That's a huge factor, too. Let's talk about that for a second. The 18,000 fans in Vegas? I'm glad I'm not on the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, obviously, you know, obviously it'd be a, it was a dream of mine and stuff until I was like, ha, I, I'm, I'm not that good at hockey. But 18,000 fans in game five and a possible game seven is, I think that's, a, I think that's an X factor. And I think that is going to sway things in Vegas's favor just because it, 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 it's tough. It's tough when you have 35, I don't care how many fans are in the bell center. If it's not at least at half capacity, it is not going to be, it's going to be a bit of a boost. It was a boost against Winnipeg. Yeah, I agree. When you're like, oh, we're at home. We have 3,500 fans. Yay. And then you go to Vegas and you can barely hear anything. You're going to be like, damn, I'm a little intimidated. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Ruby says she thinks the reason the Montreal Canadiens are going to win is because of Carey Price. And that is true as well. And I'm going to touch upon that right now. Carey Price stole game three for Montreal. He played great. He basically stole that game. He has not stolen a series yet. Against Toronto, he made some amazing saves. He was good when he, the team needed him to be, but everyone else around him was really good. Montreal was really good. Against Winnipeg, Montreal was really good. You look at this series, and as a Habs fan, I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, I've seen Carey Price steal a series before. I would love nothing more than to see Price give up one goal over the next two games. Now, that is a tough ask against a Vegas team that is so deep, their forwards have two or three goals during the series, and it's still tied at two, that, which we'll talk about in a second. That says a ton about how good this Vegas team is. But I would love to see Carey Price steal two games right now. Steal a game. Even steal a game. Steal a game and then have your like the team win the next game. But if he steals a game, and that is true, that is a very big X factor. Leonard's been good. Flurry's been good. Price has been better, I think. It's just things like the refereeing and the officiating, things like defensive breakdowns and screwing up when you need to screw up or you shouldn't have to screw up and you still do it anyways. That's what cost Montreal so far. Uh, yeah, and obviously there's injuries on both sides. I mean, Vegas is, you know, obviously they have Chandler Stevenson. I think it's Chandler Stevenson who's not playing still. He might make it for game five. I'm not sure yet. But uh, yeah, Vegas's forwards aren't scoring and their defense is scoring. Their defense is picking up the slack. Which is ironic because if you look on the other side of the ice, Montreal's forwards are scoring and I still think their defense doesn't have a point in the playoffs. Unless unless they unless they had a I, I don't did defenseman have an assist on uh Byron's no Byron's was unassisted. No defenseman for Montreal has a point. Now I'm going to cut two players on Montreal's D line some slack. Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie deserve like okay, chill. Don't get mad at them. They are both injured. I don't care if no one's reported it. I don't care if anyone said anything. Does Petrie have some? Yeah, Petrie actually, I think he has two assists or something. But my point is, is Montreal's D-line is very non-existent offensively. But you give them slack. Weber and Petrie have been injured 
or they are injured. I don't care what the report says that, oh, hey, like no one's reported anything. So how do you know they're injured? You can, you watch these two guys play and you're like, okay, they're injured. I can tell they're injured. You look at the middle guys. Edmondson is literally just that perfect two-way defenseman. He can generate a little bit of offense, but he's very just like sit there and just get the puck out. Merrill's the same. Gustafson's a bit more offensive, but he's on the bottom pair. And then the only other guy would be, oh God, who am I missing on? Who am I missing on their decor? Uh, Kulak's not in. Okay, hang on. Weber, Petrie, Merrill, Gustafson, Edmondson, and Sherratt. Sherratt. Well, Sherratt's not scoring any goals. Sherratt's not scoring any goals. It's Ben Sherratt. He's a freaking stay-at-home D-man. It's crazy how it's two polar opposites. If Vegas gets a little bit more offense from their forwards, we're done. If Montreal gets a goal from Shea Weber... Oh my God. Like who knows? And like, it's funny how it's a one goal, but like with three games left, that one goal could be the difference. So it's really interesting. But aside from game one as well, um, game one, obviously there was that big score difference. These games have been close. I understand teams have played better at parts or long stretches of the game. And the other teams, like for example, game three, Vegas played amazing. They deserve to win, but it was still a close game. And then you look at game four, it was still a close game, even though Montreal was playing better. And I think, that is a testament to the Habs, and I think they are turning a lot of heads in the NHL. I know they already did with sweeping Winnipeg and beating Toronto, but it's like, damn, the Montreal Canadiens have won as many games against Vegas as Colorado. Like, you know, this team is a little bit weaker. This team, you know, they're not as good as Colorado or Vegas. They're the worst team remaining in the playoffs, but it's like, huh, I, you know, we, we underestimate these guys a little bit, I think. They deserve more respect than people are giving them because I still see so many people on social media saying the Habs are lucky. The Habs are lucky, and I understand they've gotten breaks, but you need to take advantage of those breaks, and there's other things Montreal has been doing that aren't lucky, like shutting down the Matthews and Marner line, like shutting down Ehlers and Kyle Connor, like shutting down Vegas's forwards, Price and all this stuff. This team has been a little bit lucky, but they're not here because of luck, if that makes sense. I think that makes sense. Um, but like I've been saying this whole this whole whole during this whole topic, at the end of this day, at the end of this day, not any other day, at the end of this day, let's try that again. At the end of the, at the end of the day, any team can play a full 60 minutes in this series and lose. That's what I've come to accept. So even last night, I was doing a live stream of the game for watch party on Twitch. I said to my chat going into overtime, I don't like this. I think we're going to lose. I didn't tell them. I saw Montreal was like at 70%. Like, oh yeah, if they win 70% of the time. I was like, well... Vegas was at like 68 last game and they lost. So we're definitely going to lose. And lo and behold, we freaking lose. And it just goes to show, you know what? doesn't matter how good you play. matters what the score is at the end. Um, but at the beginning of this series, one thing I did say as well is I said players outside of Corey Perry, Jesperi Kakanyemi, and Nick Suzuki need to produce. Now, I'm not talking about obviously Byron has some goals. You know, other guys have some goals. I was talking about Josh Anderson, Cole Caulfield, like Arturi Lekkonen, those kind of guys. And like Lekkonen's been good. He hasn't scored or gotten that many points in the series, but he's looked all right. Caulfield's stepped up and Anderson stepped up. They've been scoring. Anderson maybe got lucky a little bit, but Montreal needed that extra scoring in order to make this series something. And they've gotten it so far. And that's why this series is now a best of three. And as of now, it's, hey, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's going to win. I... I, I hope Montreal wins, but I'll talk about it at the end when I do my hot pick segment. I'll, I'll tell you guys who I think is really going to win without like my biased Les Habitants heart beating. I'll try and avoid that as much as I can.
um, which is easier said than done. I've there's been times I've had to like I'm like oh like yeah yeah have this have that and then like once like five minutes later I'm like okay yeah that was a little bit biased I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it happens it happens you know what as hockey fans it's 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 expected. So you know what at the end of the day I'm doing the best I can to put the bias out of it, but I'll tell you who I think is gonna win later on in the episode. But regardless of what happens in the Montreal and Vegas series, one thing is for certain. The Stanley Cup is going to be awarded at the end of this year. And then the fun begins. Well, your Habs are in the playoffs. What could be more fun than watching your team in the semifinals, Rahil? This thing called the 2021 offseason. If you are a hockey fan, you need to get excited for this summer. Because this summer, whether I don't even know if it's going to be the whole summer or whether it's going to be September too. This is going to be an insanely fun offseason. Let's start with the biggest, most obvious um, point here. Let's talk about the biggest, largest thing that's happening in the offseason. The Seattle Kraken. Teams are going to be scared, but they're going to have to do things with Seattle. And I think, and let me explain a little bit after, I think this offseason with Seattle and their expansion draft is going to be more fun and more exciting than the Vegas Golden Knights offseason and their expansion draft. Now, let me explain why, because I know you're probably like, well, Rahil, like Vegas drafted this team and they've been in the, you know, semifinals and like the final four. They've been so good. How can you say Seattle is going to be? I'm not saying Seattle is going to be a better team. I'm saying this offseason is going to be more fun involving Seattle. Because here's the thing. Seattle's coming in. Obviously, the big thing is, is hockey fans are wondering, oh, who's my team going to protect? Are they going to go seven forward, 3D a goalie? Are they going to go a combination of eight front players and defensemen and a goalie? Or are they going to do something stupid and completely shock me? So that's obviously like the, the thing that you can relate to Vegas. It's like, yeah, this is exciting. This is going to be fun. Will teams screw themselves over again when trading with Vegas? Or are those teams going to look back at Vegas? Or sorry, with Seattle. Sorry. Are those teams going to screw themselves with Seattle? Or are they going to look back at how they played and how they made these trades with Vegas? And they're going to be like, I don't know if I want to make a trade with another expansion team. Teams like Anaheim, who exposed Shea Theodore. Teams like Florida, who gave, it was what was it, Marcia So and Riley Smith to Florida? Just they gave those two players to Florida to make or to Seattle or to Vegas to make Vegas pick someone. They gave those two players away. Like there's T Penguins exposed Marc Andre Fleury. Now that was the right move because Matt Murray was younger, but look at Fleury now. I think there's going to be teams that are going to be like, hey, like we could make a deal with Seattle and you know maybe you know like give them this player and get them to take one of our worser guys. And I think coaches managers and ownership are going to be like, well, Florida did that X amount of years ago. And now look at those players. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to look like a doofus again, or if I want to look like a Florida or an Anaheim, I think teams are going to shy away from making those types of trades with Seattle. But here's the kicker. Some teams are going to have to do some reworking and restructuring. The salary cap is staying flat for the, at least the next couple of years. That wasn't the case when Vegas was uh, be becoming a team. The cap was going up. Teams wanted to get rid of contracts, but they weren't as worried about giving away contracts. This offseason, I think teams are going to be like, like, look at Toronto. Okay, perfect example. I know Toronto, their, their main four are signed. But like, like Frederick Anderson's leaving. They have Jack Campbell. Sure, fine. But Toronto has so many 
players that need to be resigned that are outside of that group. And then you see like, like the reporters out there talking about like, well, could they bring in Dougie Hamilton? Could they trade for Seth Jones? Could they do all this stuff? Maybe Toronto is like, maybe we need to make a deal with Seattle, unload a contract. We don't like help it out here and there. Now I know Seattle, they've been talking about taking Kerfoot. Maybe they go like, here's Kerfoot and a pick take the worser guy with the larger contract as well, just to kind of help teams unload a bit of cap so they can afford to make some moves and make their teams better. Like look at Montreal, like Kotkin Yemi's an RFA this year. He's going to, I've seen people on cap friendly saying, Oh, they'll bridge him for 2 million. I think he's getting more than 2 million. I don't think he's getting six. I think he's getting more than two at least. So I think teams are going to be forced to deal with Seattle or at the very least make some cap structuring moves. But I think Seattle is the best option to do that because they have a zero salary cap right now. They can afford to take on all this extra stuff. And that's what it leads into as well is our teams like Seattle going to sit there and play hardball. And go, well, sorry, I said teams like Seattle. There's only one team like Seattle because they're the only expansion team right now. Is Seattle going to sit there and go, you want me to take that bad contract for like a second? No, no, no. Make that a first and a third. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. And then the team is like, well, I don't want to overpay for that. I'll unload the contract elsewhere. Oh, no one else is taking it. Oh, I have to buy the player out or trade him to Seattle. That's where since the cap is flat, Seattle is going to have extra leverage, I think especially against teams like Tampa that's so over the cap, they're going to be able to squeeze those teams and get a little bit extra out of each team. And I don't think they're going to be as good as Vegas, but I mean, who thought Vegas was going to do what they did? No one, really. So, I mean, you know, if I'm Seattle, I'd be, if I'm their GM, I'm milking teams to take on bad contracts. If you want me to take a bad contract, it's going to cost you more than what you think it'll cost you. It's going to be a lot more. That's what I would be doing if I was a Seattle GM. Now, that's the Seattle expansion. That's one aspect into the 2021 offseason and why it's going to be so fun. We haven't even talked about the restricted free agents. We haven't even talked about the unrestricted free agents. Guys, I'm going to make a poll on this because there are four players right now that I am torn between as who is the best. I'm, I'm saying it as I type, sorry. Who is the best free agent in as of today? for 2021 so rfa and ufa market obviously 2021 every offseason is fun with ufas and rfas and oh is this person going to do this are they going to go here are they going to go here this offseason is special and i'm going to tell you why i'm going to list off a bunch of players right now there are three big fish i think i think taylor hall I think Alexander Ovechkin and Dougie Hamilton are the big three guys. Now, I'm curious. I just made a poll. I wonder who my chat thinks is the best, the biggest fish in the pond for 2021 offseason. But aside from Ovechkin and those other two guys, you're looking at Tuka Rask, who's won a Stanley Cup before. You're looking at Frederick Anderson, who I know he's had his struggles with Toronto, but he's still a good goalie. Philip Grubauer who is nominated for the Vesna is a free agent, I believe, still as of this moment. You obviously have Ovechkin, you have Hall. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a free agent. Thomas Tatar is a free agent. Gabriel Landeskog's a free agent. Alex Martinez is a free agent. Tyson Berry is a free agent. There are so many high-quality players out there that it's like, holy crap. This is going to be a freaking fun offseason just off the RFA and UFA market alone. You combine that with Seattle being there 
and it's going to be even more fun. It's going to be 10 times more fun. Seattle also has a difficult decision on the direction because they're coming up in some good draft classes. That's true. That's true. And I'm going to get more into that a little bit, Gray Fox. There is something There is something I'm going to talk about at the end that's going to be interesting with Seattle. Yeah, Zidane Chara is a free. Now, Zidane Chara is a bit of a veteran. So it's like, yeah, Chara is good, but like he's not a Dougie Hamilton. But Chara is a free agent as well. Yeah, that's a good point, Golden Hop. There's so many UFAs and RFAs that you're like, wow, that's good. Wow, that's good. Wow, that's You run out of fingers if you're counting them on your fingers. You're like, oh, my God, this is fun. And, like, who knows? Maybe your team loses someone really good in the expansion, and then they go pick up, like, freaking Alex Ovechkin. I, I, I don't think Ovechkin's leaving Washington, but who the hell knows? None of us know at this point. Anything can happen, but this, this free agency 2021 combined with Seattle and the expansion is going to be absolutely insane, and I cannot wait to talk about it more on this podcast as it happens. Our chat says, oh, Ove- wow, everyone, everyone who voted said Ovechkin. Yeah, okay. I think Ovechkin's the best one. I don't think he's the most available. I don't think Ovechkin's really going to go anywhere. But I think out of everyone in the free agent market of 2021 so far, as of this recording, Ovechkin's the best one. So you got free agency. You have the Seattle expansion. There's one other thing we haven't talked about. And Gray Fox just started talking in chat about Vegas's first draft and all that stuff. Guys, what about Buffalo? What about Buffalo? I know you're like, what well, Buffalo sucks. They're a dumpster fire. Buffalo is a dumpster fire. I absolutely agree with you. Here's the thing. WGR 550, a Buffalo sports radio verified account, had Elliot Friedman on the air with them. And this was as of, I think, two weeks ago. This is what Elliot Friedman said. At the end of the day, I'm quoting here. At the end of the day, I don't think the Buffalo Sabres want to bring back Jack Eichel, they want to move on. First off, what the fuck? How do you not want to bring back Jack Eichel? I understand there were the issues with the doctors and he didn't trust the team doctors or whatever that whole thing is. It's Jack fucking Eichel. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand how Buffalo could want to move on from him. I understand Eichel saying, get me the fuck out of here, please. But I don't understand Buffalo wanting to move on. But here's the thing. Where does Jack Eichel go? I think Jack Eichel is a bigger talking piece than any of the free agents. All the free agents are great, and it's more like they have to sign somewhere, so it's interesting what's going to happen. Are they going to sign with their normal team? They're going to go somewhere else. Jack Eichel is going to be so interesting. I have a theory of where Jack Eichel is going to go, and I want everyone in the chat to react to this. I want you to tell me if I'm crazy or if it's like, oh my God, you're big brain. I also want you, if you're listening to this podcast uh, on Spotify or wherever the hell I'm going to be putting it, I want you to also tweet me at an angry brown guy, A-N, not a, an angry brown guy. Um, tweet me and let me know what you think about this. I think this is going to be a very, I have not seen many people talk about this. So Buffalo has the first overall pick. Who has the second overall pick? Oh yeah, it's Seattle. The team with no salary cap. Why does that seem like a match made in heaven? Jack Eichel. Maybe you had a pick. Maybe you had a prospect. I don't know. To Seattle. For the second overall pick. Plus. Maybe you add, you know, an expansion player you got. I don't know. Maybe you add another pick. I don't know. But those two pieces as the core of a trade. Would be absolutely insane. 
if Seattle goes to themselves, you know what? We want to we want to do what Vegas did. We want to be a team that's competitive right off the bat. What better first line center to get than Jack freaking Eichel? That is literally it is it is too good to be true. It would be amazing. I got people in my chat saying there's going to be no chance, and I'd love to know why you think there's going to be no chance. I'm kind of curious about that. I could so see it happening. I can see it happening because here's the thing. The expansion draft happens before the trade deadline. So like, what if you like, you know, Seattle drafts their players and then Seattle goes, we'll give you second overall. We'll give you one guy. Give us Eichel and a pick. So some people are saying Seattle wouldn't give up pick number two. And I, I, I agree with you because the second pick is a very good pick. This draft is not that good. This year's draft is not that good. Buffalo could get one or two and it's like, oh, we get the best two. Like, that's good. If Seattle wants to win now, you give up that second pick and you get Jack Eichel. It seems so good that it has to happen. Like you do, Seattle gives up, like, I don't know, like Eichel and like, like, I don't, I'm trying to think of players on Buffalo, but Jeff Skinner's not going anywhere because no one's going to want him. But you do Jack Eichel, full cap hit. That way Buffalo doesn't retain anything. Like second overall pick and like a, I don't know, a second round pick next year. I don't know. I'm hypothetically speaking here. That trade would blow up the hockey world. That would be the most exciting thing I think that could happen in this offseason. And I am praying it happens. Shout out to Endo, by the way, because when me and Endo first tried recording a podcast, this was his idea. So, Endo, thanks for giving me the Seattle to Buffalo idea. It was his idea. But, damn, that would be something insane if that happens. I'm hoping it does. I really do. But moving on to the next topic, which doesn't have to do with Seattle, which doesn't have to do with the how fun the 2021 offseason has to be. What it has to do with is the National Hockey League and how shit their officiating is. Oh, yeah. You really didn't think this recording is after game four between Montreal and Vegas. After Chris Lee did all of that last game. You really thought we weren't going to talk about this? Oh, Baby, sit down because this is the part where Rahil rants and you guys are going to be like, holy shit, uh, let me let me pull out my phone. This is like one of those like world star moments here. The NHL officiating, it seems like every year we talk about how bad it is. And I think that is deserved. I think their officiating is is rough. It's 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 not as good as other sports. There's 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 controversy here and there this year. Not just the playoffs, regular season and playoffs. This entire 2020-2021 season has been an embarrassment for the officiating and the refereeing of the National Hockey League. Now, the one thing I will say is there is an asterisk because there is COVID. You know, it's a toughened schedule. And I, I understand those are factors that we can't discuss because we don't know how it's impacted. But if you go through the series, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three events or sl- situations that happened to summarize how bad the NHL officiating has been. The first one, during the regular season, Tim, I believe it was Tim Peel, I, I could be wrong there. An NHL official is caught on a TV broadcast going to commercial, basically saying, yeah, I just called that penalty because I wanted to even it up for the Nashville Predators or against the Nashville Predators. He basically said... I am controlling the outcome of this game. It was Team Peel. Okay, thank you. He basically said, I am inf- I'm directly influencing this game. It was like, like I, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I understand maybe the, 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 the action that happened was a penalty, but the stuff that they 
the refs get away with and they let players get away with and the stuff they call are two different things. And we're going to talk about that a bit more in a bit too. He did get fired for what he did or he went, he was, he was retiring early, like all that kind of stuff. And Amit does make a good point here. Would you enjoy if the refereeing was perfect? You want some mistakes. So you have talking points, which is true. Like everyone's talking about the refs this year. Everyone's talking about hockey, but here's the thing. So I'm going to go through the other two scenarios and then I'll touch upon your point there. So the Nashville scandal. Okay. Then we have in the Tampa Bay and New York Islanders series, a Tampa Bay player, Braden point gets pushed into his, uh, into the opposing goalie. So like the Islanders player pushed him into the Islanders goalie, but the Tampa player, Braden point got a penalty and everyone's like, well, like, what was he supposed to do? Not get hit. Like he can't, the guy was behind him and he got hit. How are you supposed to avoid that? Everyone was like, that was a really dumb call. The Islanders score on that in the playoffs, in the semifinals to get the lead or at least tie the game. I think it was one of the two. Then later on in the same game, same game, Tampa has seven players on the ice. You're allowed to have five. If you don't know, you're allowed to have five, not including the goalie. They had seven, not including the goalie and they scored. That should be a penalty. It's a too many men penalty. It's a too, yeah, too many men. That's a penalty. You should be calling that. The refs missed it. Now, that one isn't really the refs influencing the game, but it's missed calls or outrageous calls that shouldn't have happened that are costing teams. It kind of evened out in a way because the Islanders had a shit penalty and then the Tampa had a shit penalty. So you could kind of argue like, yeah, it evened out. Both teams scored, whatever. Or Tampa got away with one and the Islanders got away with one. However you want to word it. But that looks bad. And then you go to Montreal and Vegas. La creme de la crop, as they would say in Quebec. Games three and four were absolutely embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Now, here's the thing. Montreal, very like the, the, the stadium and the arena, the fans do this a lot. Is When they think there's a very questionable call, they'll just start booing and jeering. Which is a good tactic. It is a very good tactic. But... The way the Montreal fans were doing it in games three and four was you could hear the frustration in their voice, in their jeers and in their boos. Because they were like, come on, how is that not a penalty? How is that not a penalty? Corey Perry, high sticked in the face. No call. I understand. I understand. You know, there's an argument there about, oh, the puck hit him or whatever. In the heat of the moment. Corey Perry gets hit in the face, goes down. The refs are looking at him. He gets up and is bleeding from the nose. You don't call it. I don't care how good your eyes are. There is no ref out there that could tell me, oh, no, no, I saw it. It was the puck. It was the puck. The stick in the puck or like millimeters apart. You cannot tell me it was the puck or it was the stick live, real live, like in real time. You see the blood. If there is blood in hockey, it's a double minor. So it's not only a penalty, it's basically two penalties. Instead of two-minute penalty, it's a four-minute penalty. No call. Montreal graciously wins that game. They got lucky. Game four, Nick Suzuki, tiny little hook on, uh, I don't know who the Vegas player was. Maybe it was Marcia or something. It's a penalty. Yeah, it's a hook. It's a penalty. But with the stuff that the National Hockey League's refs were allowing their the players to get away with versus calling that hook on Suzuki is ridiculous. That's like seeing someone getting punched in the face and going, yeah, that's clean. And then you see someone accidentally touch elbows. 
Oh, nope, nope, two minutes. You can't do that. You're not allowed. Not allowed. No, no, no. How dare you? That's wrong. That's, that's a penalty. That's against the rules. What are you doing? I understand it's a penalty. If you're calling that, you need to call everything else. There needs to be 10 penalties a game. That penalty was ridiculous on its own. And then we get into Braden McNabb and Nick Suzuki. So for those of you who don't know, and for the people on Twitter who try and argue with me, this is what happens. Nick Suzuki and Braden McNabb get into a scrum before the end of the second period. The Habs are already on a power play. Braden McNabb pushes Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki pushes Braden McNabb back. Usually, if you're going to call a penalty there, you call it on both players. Offsetting minors, you both get in the box. That's roughing. You guys shouldn't be pushing each other. Come on. It's after the whistle. Two minutes each. Braden McNabb then punches Nick Suzuki in the face. And the referee, Tim Peel, or not Tim Peel, God bless his soul. He's, he's innocent in all this. <laughs> not really, but compared to this, he's innocent. Chris Lee, you magnificent referee. He is staring at Braden McNabb, watching the punch hit Nick Suzuki. He's staring at him. He's staring at him. Just like he sees it. You see his shoulder move up and go back down, and you start shaking his head. I don't understand how you don't call that. And every person out there that's paid to watch hockey, the announcers on the broadcast, everyone was like, that should have been two minutes. At least. And I understand it's not like that penalty robbed Montreal of a goal or anything like that. But here is the thing. And this is a what if. And I hate talking about what ifs. Because it's like, well, you don't know. He also turns away at the end. Yeah, someone brought that up in chat. He also turns away at the end like, I see nothing. I didn't see anything. I don't know what you're talking about. That penalty means Montreal starts the third with about a minute 45 plus five on three. They get one goal. It's 2-0. I understand the penalty didn't result. It's, it's not like it was like a blatant, like, like the guy like slashed someone in the head and the guy had an open net and they didn't call it. No, it, it, I understand it didn't directly take away a goal or cost Montreal a goal, but that is a huge what if. And given how Montreal's power plays been, I think it was one for six at that time, which isn't great, but isn't terrible. And it's a five on three. A five on three is a huge, that long is a huge opportunity. And it wasn't called. Vegas ties the game and they win it in overtime. Do I blame the ref? Do I say the refs cost Montreal game four? No. Do I think the refs gave Vegas a break that allowed Vegas to not be penalized five on three for a minute 45? That could have had a very, very high chance of resulting in a Montreal Canadiens power play goal? Absolutely 100%. And it is sad that this series is now tainted because of how bad the refereeing has been. But it all stems down to one thing. And one thing only. Referees in other sports are allowed to do this, I believe to an extent. But not as much as NHL. The National Hockey League's refs and their officiating has this sort of carte blanche, like blank check, I can do whatever I want. I am allowed to interpret a penalty how I want and call it as I see fit. Because by definition, if you look up the definition of like a roughing penalty in the NHL, like if I go on Google right now, what is a roughing penalty NHL? Let's look this up. Let's go through this together. There are so many people out there. That's another thing too. Before I talk about this definition, there are Leafs fans, Sens fans, Bruins fans, Seattle Kraken fans. There are fans of any team that are like, bro, these refs have been bad. 
And that goes to show how bad it's been. Roughing is uh, a penalty in hockey where a player uses unnecessary force, usually a punch, in contact to, uh, to contact an opposing player. Furthermore, roughing can also be called if avoidable contact is made after the whistle. Avoidable contact after the whistle? Punch. Braden McNabb did that exact same thing on, on Nick Suzuki. By definition, in the National Hockey League rule book, that is a penalty. Why isn't it called? Because the refs are allowed to just call it as I see fit. And then you're going to argue, well, if the refs aren't calling that, it's fair game. You can do whatever you want. Well, no, 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 no. Not too fast. Because if Nick Suzuki's half a centimeter of the tip of his blade hooks a Vegas player, Montreal gets a penalty. Did it result in a goal? No. But that right there is a discretion where, okay, if, I, if you're allowed to get away with punching people, you should be allowed to theoretically get away with a small hook. But that didn't happen. Montreal got penalized for the hook. Vegas didn't get penalized for punching people. So what does that say? Game five, Montreal, punch everyone you want. You're getting away with it. And that's where it leads to is you're going to lose control of a series because players are like, like, like what, the, what the fuck am I allowed to do? I'm not allowed to like touch someone with my stick, but I'm allowed to punch someone in the face. Is that is that in the rule book? I don't think so. I don't think so. Chris Lee gets to choose what he wants. So yeah, and the other thing too, someone just brought up in chat. It's not 20, by the way, Hunter. Vegas has 18 minutes of power play time. 18 plus minutes of power play time in the series. Montreal has eight. They have five extra penal power plays. Power plays, not penalties. Not penalties, power plays. And it's hard to not look at this. And I believe the refs are bad. I believe these refs are just, they're being allowed to call what they want. And it's dictating the series. Instead of the players dictating the series, the refs are helping dictate the series, which shouldn't happen. It's hard for me not to look at this and somewhat start to wonder if this is rigged. I don't believe it is. I don't believe the NHL is rigged at all. I don't believe anyone's paid off or anything. But I look at this and I'm like, damn, I, 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 I can't argue this anymore. I don't believe it, but I can't argue the people who say it anymore. Like, there's just... No absolute like way I could sit there and go, yeah, no, the NHL's not rigged. I'm starting to wonder if it is now. It's it's ridiculous. There's one thing that the NHL can do though. There is one thing the NHL can do. Um, that's the thing too. They're, they're come full circle thought process that they shouldn't decide the games so they don't call penalties. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's it's I, I I don't know, but it's but see, Gray Fox. So if the NHL is like, oh, it's it's the 90s again, we're not gonna call that many penalties. Then why'd you call it on Nick Suzuki? I think I think the I think the hook was on Alec Martinez, and Martinez still got the pass off, and Vegas had a scoring chance. It wasn't hindered by that hook. Why do you call it? If you're allowing, if you don't want to call penalties, and you allow players to clutch up and play like the players dictate, why are you calling that on Nick Suzuki? That's where I don't understand what's going on. But there's one simple solution to this, and. Emmett brought up earlier where he said, well, like, obviously, if there's bad calls and like missed calls and mistakes, it's talking points for sports, which I do agree it is. But here's what you do. You call everything by the book. Oh, re I'm reading the book. Is it a penalty? Yeah. Two minutes. Just call it by the book. Are you going to have missed calls? Yeah. Are you going to have stuff like screw up? Yeah. But you need to do it in a way where it's like by the rule book at this point, because if you let players get away with just, oh, you know what? Like, we're not calling anything. People are going to get, like, hurt. And you can't, this isn't the 90s anymore. 
We know about concussions. We know about how dangerous like shots to the head are. We know how dangerous those like chicken wing elbows and those trips are and all that stuff. It's just call it by the book that that avoids everything. Get a computerized ref. I like, I, I don't know at this point. I don't know. Like, okay. Soccer, soccer. I, I know a lot of soccer fans and I apologize. I wish I could call it football, but the entire continent of North America wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Football, soccer. If there is a possible penalty, VAR and the refs upstairs review it as play continues. And they, they let everyone know, like, VAR is checking. And they award a foul, penalty, card, whatever. They do whatever they have to do. Find a way to incorporate something like that into hockey. Where you have refs checking on what the refs are doing. Will it slow down the game a little bit? Yep. Will it be a little annoying at first? Yes. Will it be satisfying knowing the calls got a little bit more right? Yes. Now, that being said, VAR is very easily, you can get screwed over by VAR. Ask any soccer fan and they'll tell you a story how they got screwed over by VAR and their team did. It's it's totally possible, but like having five refs review it or two refs review it is better than one. Or you have the two refs on the ice, get two more up in the, like up in like, like center control. Have like the like the like Toronto review everything. I don't know. It's it's I don't know. It's embarrassing. And the thing is too, the kicker of all of this is this officiating bullcrap is happening in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The round before you get to the finals, the refs are dictating the games. Or sorry, they're not dictating the games. They are influencing the games. That is a problem, and the NHL needs to fix it. Are they going to fix it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I really don't think so. Don't have Toronto view everything. Maybe an open situation room in Utah or something. That's another thing too. Actually, that kind of brings me to a... I'll talk about this at the end before I switch to my final segment. If you are a brand new hockey fan and you're like, I, I, I'm deciding to get into hockey this year. How the hell do you know what the hell's going on? Oh my God, that guy just got punched in the face. Wait, they're allowed to do that? Oh, okay. Oh, that guy got hooked. A little bit, like like someone's stick got in there. That's a penalty, but the punch isn't? Okay. Oh, you're allowed to have seven players on the ice when you score? Oh, like that. Okay, that's fair. Wait, but that team got called a penalty on because they had six on. So is six allowed and seven isn't? You're going to confuse so many new hockey fans, and this is hindering the sport from growing. And it is a huge issue. But the NHL and the refs and their officiating is embarrassing, and nothing's going to change. <sighs> Damn, that was a good rant. Wow, that was fun. That was fun. I'm glad I got that off my chest, even though I got it over, off my chest yesterday during the uh, watch party and stuff. But moving on. Uh, anyways, I'm going to move on to my final segment now. This is going to be the last segment of every podcast, um, and it is going to be the hot picks segment. What I'm going to do in this one is I have three questions for myself, um, and I'm going to answer them um, and pick what I think is going to happen or what the outcome will be. And every week, what I encourage um, everyone to do is in my Discord channel or server, I should say, not channel. I would lo- I'm going to make a uh, channel um, where you guys can submit questions you want me to answer. Hockey related, obviously. doesn't have to be NHL. They can be international. It can be about futures. It can be about whatever you want. I will pick three every week and I will answer them and give you my hot picks. So without further ado, let's get into the first one. The very first one is predict who will make it to the finals and in how many games. Well, both series are tied at two games apiece right now. It is a best of three series. For the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning, Hunter is going to hate me for this because he is a Lightning fan. I'm going with Tampa in seven. (laughs) I think the Islanders win a game um, just because of the way they play and how good they are. And I just always had this series going seven. I personally just think Tampa is too good um, to lose. 
I just think they're too good to lose. Uh, they, the, the offensive firepower they have, that back end they have with Hedman, Sergachev, and Vasilevsky playing amazing. I just think Tampa is going to pull it off, and they're the favorite. They're a favorite for a reason. Um, when you switch over to the other series, Vegas and Montreal, I know everyone's going to say, wow, you're going to go Montreal, aren't you? I'm going to go Vegas in six. I um, can be wrong. Very wrong. I just have a feeling Vegas is going to win at home in game five because they have 18,000 fans and that it's going to be a huge factor. They're going to come out playing good. And then I think in game six, it's going to be like a close game. And I think Montreal just, I don't know. I just don't, I can't see them winning it. I can't see them winning it. I've said that in the Toronto series. I've said that in the Winnipeg series. I hope I'm wrong in this series, but I am going with Vegas in six and Tampa in seven for my picks to go to the Stanley Cup finals. So question number two, will there be another ref gate before the cup is won? Basically, like, will there be another controversial non-call, call, penalty, whatever you want to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. These NHL refs have been a joke. Their officiating has been a joke. Um, and they've, they've, it's, it's, it's happening in the semifinals. Okay. I understand people are going to be like, oh, well, it's the Stanley Cup finals. There's going to be more people watching. It's the semifinals. Enough people are already watching. All of Canada's still watching because they actually have a Canadian team in it. You th- Like, like they're, they're, these refs are going to cost someone a series. They're going to cost someone a series. They're going to blow a call or they're going to call something that shouldn't have been called. A team is going to score and they're going to win a game and then they're going to win the next game and everyone's going to be like that one ref call. That was wrong and that cost the other team the series. I see it happening. I just think one of these four teams is going to get screwed over by officiating and it's going to be a talking point for a long, long, very long time. Damn, I got a little ranty there. <laughs> I apologize. On to my final segment and it is related to the 2021 offseason. This is a good one. This is a fun one. Predict where Alexander Ovechkin, Dougie Hamilton, and Taylor Hall end up. Okay, I'm going to get the easiest one out of the way. Taylor Hall is staying in Boston. 100%. He's staying in Boston. Why? Because this year, he said to himself, I'm going to go to Buffalo. I'm going to make a decent bit of money, and it's a prove-it year. I'm gonna If I do really good, I'm going to get that big payday. Well, you were shit in Buffalo. He went to Boston, and I think Taylor Hall has finally found home. I think Taylor Hall has finally found home. Someone in my chat is saying Taylor Hall to Tampa Bay for league minimum. No, but I could see it happening somehow because Tampa's just fucking ridiculous with shit like that. Actually, you can't sign him for league minimum because you're $4 million over next year's cap. So maybe focus that first, uh, Hunter. But anyways, I think Boston is just the perfect fit for um, Taylor Hall. Um, It's a winning culture. It seems like he's enjoying playing there. The media is not super around him like it was in Edmonton and other places. Like It's it's a quieter market to an extent, but, but Boston is still a great team, a great hockey market. It's one of the best ones, our original six. But I think it's just a little bit more drawn back than like Canadian markets and stuff. So I think Taylor Hall, I could see him going for like six, five, maybe times four, like five mil times four, maybe six mil times four. I don't know. In Boston, I can see that happening hundred uh, percent. I'll get the next easiest one out of the way. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin. This is kind of boring. I think he's going to stay in Washington. Um, I did have a tough time thinking about this one though, because I was kind of like, well, like the caps didn't really do that good in the playoffs this year. Maybe Ovi wants to go and have another shot. I think Ovi is one of those players 
Now, then again, we said this about Lundqvist. We said this about Chara. I can't see Ovi playing in another jersey. I think if Ovi goes to Washington, it's like, I want nine mil. And they're like, oh, we're, we're five mil over the cap if we do that. Shoot. They're going to find a way to move it. The likely piece I think is going to be moving this offseason, which is going to be another interesting topic. I think Evgeny Kuznetsov is gone. I think they're going to have to sacrifice him to keep Ovi. Whether that works in the long run, I don't know. I just don't see Alexander Ovechkin going anywhere. Uh, so Dougie Hamilton, the third big fish. I don't think Carolina resigns him. I think they're going to trade away his rights, get something, or they're going to do a sign and trade to get more value. One of those two things is going to happen. Or the like third option, I guess you could call it is I could also see, um, just another team out there going, we're going to offer you more money or more term. And I think Tom Dundon or whatever his name is in Carolina, I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to do it. But that means where does where does Dougie Hamilton go? Dougie Hamilton is going to be either a New Jersey Devil or a Philadelphia Flyer. Now, here is my reasoning for both of those. Those are both teams that are like, well, they're close to the playoffs, but not really. I know Philly made it last year, but they had a terrible year this year. Both those teams need a big number one or top two defenseman. I think those teams are going to go, Hey, Dougie, here's, you know, we'll, we'll offer you the seventh or eighth year. We'll offer you max term and we'll offer you a number that makes you happy. Apparently the Dougie Hamilton camp has been asking for $8 million, which I don't think is ridiculous at all. I think that's personally fair. Dougie Hamilton analytically is a darling. And even just the eye test, he's a great defenseman. I think one of those two teams though, I think Dougie Hamilton helps those teams make the playoffs. Um, and then from there, it's just fitting around him and the rest of the core to make it a competitive playoff team. So Dougie Hamilton to Philadelphia or New Jersey. You heard it here first on the Chocolate Milk Podcast. It's just going to happen. Quote me. Quote me. Everyone's going to quote me. I'm probably going to be wrong with all my picks, but whatever. You know what? It's expected. But that concludes the very first episode of the Chocolate Milk Podcast. So very first off, I just want to thank everyone in the uh live stream who is watching and uh, along with the recording um appreciate you guys you know giving your inputs giving me some topics to talk about talk about all that great stuff you guys are awesome and another shout out to anyone who is giving this a listen whether it's for the first time well it is the first time because this is the first damn episode but whether you are someone who knows me and you're like hey i'm going to give Rahil stuff a listen whether you hear me through a friend and you're like or whether you see me on spotify like hey this is a new podcast i'm gonna check it out um i thank you guys from the bottom of my heart um it really does mean a lot this is something i've kind of really wanted to do and i'm very happy to be doing it now um the big thing for me is this is the first episode of course it was very choppy i made mistakes here and there we're gonna edit it and make it a little bit cleaner so hopefully the final product is nice and clean but i had to do all that because hey first time you got to get the hang of this before you can get better so i want to thank you guys for um taking the time and having the patience to making it this far because i know it's not easy to just listen to this but i appreciate you so much i promise you guys it will get better i promise it will get better i'm going to strive to get better at recording these at not saying um or retaking all the time whatever the hell you call it we will figure it out together it'll be awesome 
Thank you so much. And a final shout out to the Shape by Sports Network. Uh, if you guys don't know who they are, uh, shapebysports.com. Um, it isn't sponsored or anything. Don't worry. It's actually one of my homies. Uh, his name is Jacob. He was the one who approached me about starting a podcast. He was like, hey, I have this website. Um, we love just like his goal is to just have a website where you can look at all the sports in the world. Or like at least the major major North American sports. Like he has uh, his own baseball podcast, but he's posting baseball content on there. Um, soon he's gonna have a hockey page where he posts my podcast on there to talk about news and all that kind of stuff. But also, um, they're gonna be doing some esports for those sports as well, which is very exciting. So shapebysports.com and shapebysports on Instagram as well. Go check them out. Our this podcast is our you know what? No, it's our podcast. You guys listening, you guys in the live stream, this is our podcast. Our podcast is going to be on their website as well, so you can give it a listen there. You can get a listen everywhere else you guys watch podcast. Watch podcasts, because yeah, you watch podcasts. You can give it a listen everywhere you listen to podcasts as well. But thank you guys so much for listening. Um, have yourselves a great week. Hopefully the refs don't screw up this hockey playoffs anymore. Um, but I will see you next episode and... We will probably end up talking about the refs at some point. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much. And as always, go Habs go.